My name is Scott Challoner and you are listening to the Leaders Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. As regular listeners of this programme will know, part of our mission here at the Leaders Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. And to this end, we're joined on today's programme by Rich Kenny, the Managing Director at Interact and Research and Sustainability Director at TechBuyer, where he leads the research, sustainability and compliance teams. Uh, he's the third um, senior leader, of course, to join us from TechBuyer in uh, recent weeks. Um, Rich, a very warm welcome to you. And by all means, thanks for taking the time to join us on the show today. No, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Scott. It's a real pleasure. And uh, today, of course, we're going to be addressing um, the key theme of what innovation really looks like and how people form a very, very key part of that. Um, now, uh, first and foremost, um, talking about innovation, I suppose different businesses, Rich, have different definitions of it, don't they? So at yeah. Tech Buyer, what does innovation sort of mean to you, as it were? I think for us, we, we look to innovate all the time and we kind of have to be very clear on what the difference is between innovation and improvement because I think those two terms get used uh, interchangeably. So we look at it in two different ways where innovation is where we're doing it in a new direction or making something better by a new mechanism as opposed to just making something slightly better. So I guess the, the key thing for us are the themes around incremental innovation where mm. we're making small directional changes versus transformation based innovation so where we're completely either overhauling or implementing or creating something brand new and we do we do both here and everyone's kind of empowered to do both aspects of innovation whether it's large-scale projects or small-scale improvements that are then leading to, to micro innovations as well so i think for us it's about getting better but also not just say improving a process by one percent but by completely changing the way we do things sometimes as and when we need to so it's about a flexible approach to innovation yeah, so it's like kind of the little changes, but also changes that are going to kind of, you know, spiral into something that's really going to transform progress within the business, isn't it? And really drive the company forward. 100%, yeah. And like we said, when we're talking about small changes, it's not, it, we're always trying to be 1% better every day. Everyone's, everyone's trying to improve their function. But those, and those are what I class as improvements. The, the, the micro innovation we're talking about is, you know, if we're dealing, say, with packaging, we're looking at brand new ways of doing circular packaging to reduce um, the sustainability impact of, of you know, say, using cardboard or foam. We're talking about micro changes like adjusting our packaging mix to include more recyclability, uh, changing the way we do shipping, for example, to, to consolidate shipments to reduce carbon footprint. And though those aren't transformational changes, they're completely new approaches to, to a, a small task within the business. And those are those little micro innovations that are not truly transformative, but they all very much add up. Yeah, absolutely right. And to kind of like allow innovation to really take hold within an organization, I guess you've got to kind of embed it into sort of the culture of the business, haven't you? So how do you go about doing that sort of based on your own experiences at Tech Buyer of doing it? Yeah, I think a lot of it's about empowering people. So I, I mm. break sort of innovation into four sections. So we're kind of talking attitude, people, aspiration and outcome. And those, I think, are crucial for, for innovation is to, to have all of those in our mind when, we're, when we're, we're looking at these functions. So, you know, attitude is about taking a conscious approach to everything. It's, it's the pursuit of innovation through our core values about wanting to be either, you know, 1% better or transformationally better as, as, as everything we do and everything we touch. So it, it's about how do you encourage that attitude within the business? And that's, that's you know, celebrating independent thought. It's providing facilities to allow innovation throughout the business in every department. It's, 
it's looking at what differences need to be made, not just at a strategic level, but at an operational level. And so that's the boots on the ground approach of saying what needs to change. And that's, that kind of is encompassed within the attitude of the organization of how can you make things better? How do you take accountability of improving your area? And that leads to that, that empowered contribution from the business that we have loads of people saying, I want to be better. Here's ways I think we can do it and being comfortable and, and, and competent within our people to do that. So that's about basically putting everyone in the business in charge of innovation rather than saying, you know, there's a department that looks after this. We say everyone's in charge of innovation. You've got an idea, you bring it forward. And the view is very much that each, each unique individual contributes to that collective approach. Mm. So if we, if we get a diverse section of talent, then we have a diverse section of thought, which means there's a good chance that we'll have that incremental sidestep of, of innovation that then leads in the direction, which I think is crucial. It's, it's also about, I guess, I hate using the term like entrepreneurial and self-starting, but it is about making sure that people feel that they have control within the business to do their own thing. So we are a collective, we are working together, but it's very much about thinking of the business as an organism as opposed to, as you know, I come to work, I do my hours, that's okay. It, that, and that is fine, but there's also a part where if you want more, there is more. If you want to take charge, if you want to lead that direction, that, that's really important. And that, that develops into... The aspiration piece if you aspire for more you want more you want more mm. control you want more input that's the aspirational outcome of it and that's that's where we're looking at you know believing that we can change the world in what we do um, and we're fortunate in our industry that it's a, it's a circular based business it's you know it's, it's very very focused around reducing carbon but also providing significant business benefits so if we can innovate we can be a front runner in this field and that's that's really important for our aspirations if you've got an idea having a company that allows you to develop them take that further and support that rather than just saying, you know, we tried that, it doesn't work. It's like, could we try it differently? Is there, is, there, is it still an idea that's worth pursuing? And that's, that's, that's a, a good a good way to have a culture develop is around mm-hmm. the people and the cross-section of talent as opposed to just, this is how we are, this is how we think. It's very much about, well, everyone thinks differently, let's embrace that. And that then takes you to the outcomes. So not every idea is a good idea, but you still want to collect those ideas. So, you know, things change circumstances change what was a good approach now might not be what wasn't before could now be so understanding that the outcomes and the goalposts just as well is is crucial so you know you're driving a ship and that's fine you've got a direction but that direction will need to change depending on the environmental conditions and that understanding that outcome and where we want to go long term allows you to weather those bumps of you know understanding failure and improving on that and that's 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 good for me i think that's that's crucial is that you've got those four things in your mind that that culture needs to be driven by an outcome. It needs to be driven by an aspiration, but it's fundamentally going to be your people and your attitudes that drive those changes. Yeah, exactly. And uh, how, of course, do you kind of instill the uh, the right attitude in people in that sense? I mean, I suppose the business kind of has to take some role in facilitating that, doesn't it? Uh, absolutely. And it, it's, it's a safe environment. And that's what I'd say first is a safe environment to stay at the safe environment to, to be comfortable to express that diversity of thought and that diversity of talent. Um, you know, I've never heard within tech by someone say, we tried that, and then the conversation ends. I've never seen that as a shutdown. I've never seen someone go, look, we had to go once, it's not for us. You know, there's always that challenging attitude of going, why didn't it work last time? What did we try? Because one person saying they had one approach doesn't mean that the idea is a bad idea. It just the approach didn't work at that time. So it's, it's, it's about that, that fostering trust that inspiring confidence and then the support both you know financial from a mentorship point of view um you know i i I kind of bring quite a lot of transformational innovations into the business and i do that because i feel completely safe to do so i've got you know a managing director i've got a ceo uh, within the business that 
listens to what I've got to say and says, well, what do you think we should change? What should we do? You know, they're, they're happy for me to come in there and provide a hundred ideas and then, you know, resource that both from their time and with, with their experience and marry it with mine. And that's really important. Like the mentorship piece within the business is crucial because you might have a great idea, but you've no idea how to go about it. We've got a, an abundance of talent at TechBuy, which I feel very fortunate about across a massive section of disciplines. So there's always someone in the business you can go and talk to and say, look, I've had this idea, but I just don't know how to progress it. And there will be someone within TechBuy who will say, oh, you should speak to this person or this person, or mm. you know, you should try taking it to this committee. And that's, that's I think, crucial that we, we're really good at signposting where to get support and then providing that support properly. That's, that's, that's what I think makes us unique and strong. Yeah, and I suppose that's where the collective approach is so um, important and so beneficial, isn't it? Because obviously you've got obviously that mentorship, you've got people to turn to, and then when there are ideas, you've got the capability to be able to kind of nurture that, develop that, and with that, you're also nurturing the talent of the individual that's come up with it as well, aren't you? Hundred percent, hundred percent, and that's that, that word of you that is really crucial is nurture, because it, not everyone is going to, you know, they ha- we have this concept that everyone's sort of a tech innovator and they just wake up in the morning and they have world changing ideas. And this is where the incremental innovation tends to lead to transformational mm-hmm. innovation in that you get quite good at doing little bits and you gain your confidence and you, you, know, you earn your stripes. And then you start looking at bigger pieces and bigger pieces and you apply that experience gained from being nurtured and supported and looked after. And that helps you take those bigger risks, those bigger changes with a much more like, likely outcome of success, I would say. You know, like when, I, when I started the business, I was, I was looking at, some fairly big changes, some digital transformation-based projects. And I was really well supported in being able to understand the business and where my role fit in that. But I was also given tons of opportunities to, to have to move laterally within the business and understand other functions where there could be a value. And so I very quickly built up, you know, what would take decades in another organization. I built up in a very short space of time through tons of support and a, and a really a really innovation fostering culture. And that's it. I know that sounds kind of a bit like a cop-out thing. Okay, it's a culture that fosters it, but that's what we have at TechBuy. And that's, that's why I love, and that's what gets me out of bed in the morning is saying, mm-hmm. I've had an idea. And someone says, go on then, like, see what you can do with it. And when I go, well, this is a bit I'm stuck on, they go, well, find someone to help you, whether it's at government or through a partnership or through, you know, through taking it into the industry or, or whether it's someone within the business, kind of all the gloves are off, I guess. You know, you can kind of do whatever you want so long as it's, outcome driven towards improving the business and I, I think that's really refreshing and it's yeah. it's rare from in my experience you know i'm doing this 20 years and it's rare for someone to always support your decisions you know so long as they're well thought out and they're out to they're, they're working towards a positive outcome that's 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 very rare for them to say have a go yeah it, it's backing your people isn't it and to obviously create that culture i mean you've got to obviously invest in aspiration as you've already talked about and i think a key part yeah. of that is also investing in people and their development isn't it and that's something that i think every business has to look at don't they absolutely that investment's crucial and the thing for me is a lot of businesses have one or two really really talented individuals that tend to get the lion's share of what i would call like the fun projects you tend to find that it's like oh this is this is this is the guy or girl we go to to, to solve problems this is the guy or girl we go to 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 change the business and what what's refreshing here is that you could go to any department in this business across any area of operation, whether it's packaging, whether it's goods out, whether it's goods in, whether it's technical, whether it's IT, whether it's sales, whatever. There'll be someone in there that is driving a brand new way of doing things that, that for another business would be, you know, their, their change team would be leading that. And we're talking about, you know, a, a guy or a girl in packaging or dispatch that's looking at completely changing the way we, we run an operational procedure in a business to make it more 
either more efficient, more effective, more, you know, more beneficial to our customer. Like these, these are in every single team in our business. And the investment that we tend to give is not just financial in regards to training courses, which you see a lot, but an investment in senior, senior management time. The people who've kind of been there and done this sort of stuff are very happy to, you know, get back to, to sort of those basic propositions in the business, such as shipping, selling, and buying, and work with people who may have only been for six months and then come in and say, what's your idea? What are you thinking? Okay, let's try this. Let's work together. And getting that time, I think, is really hard in most organizations. Mm. You know, you tend to find that, you know, with the, you know, the bigger fish to fry, I guess, is the term you'd use. But we, we make sure that we're kind of frying all the fish, I suppose. And that, you know, the people who've maybe been there and done that can help structure someone else's development and nurture their ideas without just coming in saying, that's a good idea, I'll take that, don't worry. We go, right, let's help you get there yourself. Let's help you be better. Let's help you develop. And that, that investment in times, once again, quite rare. Because mm. primarily it's like, you know, maybe a HR team will throw some money at you to go on a training course. But it's rare to get, you know, the CEO come and sit with you and go, what's your idea? What are you thinking about? Tell me about it. Let's work through the hurdles. Let's work through the challenges and let me apply my experience to your idea as well and then let them take ownership of it and be successful with it that's that's unusual yeah and um it's it's important to mention that that you talked about that that example of sitting down with the ceo and sharing an idea with them i think for sort of this culture to really work you've got to kind of have that almost open door leadership policy haven't you leadership has got to be accessible to everyone if obviously innovations, yeah left in the hand 100%. of the collective and like you said it's I use the term open door policy. I've always hated it because I, I tend to find companies that have an open door policy tend to have a lot of doors in the way. And mm. there's an idea that there's an open door policy when it's convenient. And I think that that really is one of the things that pains me quite a lot because, you know, I've worked with ones before. We go, yeah, no, 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 my door's always open except I can never book a meeting with you. You know, and that's, that's great that you're available except for I've been here six months and I've not been able to speak to you and I've wanted to speak to you for, you know, for the entirety of that time. I've never had that issue. You know, I've always been able to just drop an email to the MD and say, look, I know you're like the biggest guy in the world, but can you find 10 minutes for me to talk through an idea? I've, I've never had a no. I've never had someone say, that's just not possible this month or whatever. It will be, okay, well, come, can you come in at 7 o'clock in the morning and we can talk about it? Yeah, of course. Could you stay at 9 o'clock at night and can we talk about it? Yes, we can. There's always a level of flexibility and it's, it's you know, so it's a sign of good leadership and healthy leadership that people will, you know, impact their own day to help other people in the business. You know, and that's that I think is that I think is really cool. Yeah, because I suppose when you've got a collective, I suppose you've got to make sort of the leadership element accessible to the entire collective, haven't you? And like showing that yep. flexibility and showing that willingness to engage that pays dividends in the long run, doesn't it? Because, I mean, it brings the best out of people because, you know, they believe in the leadership, they believe in the project. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that also ties into, you know, the whole cultural piece is that there's a kind of two ways to look at culture, isn't there? It's like culture theoretically is like an idea of shared experience and values that makes communication within the business easier because we all kind of you know, all think the same or we all act the same way. And that's quite a, a dangerous way to look at culture because that's the sort of let's hire people like me because they're the people that understand what I'm like. And the other option is you go with a more challenging culture and you go, well, let's, let's hire people that are good for the business. And, it, you know, I might not get on with them personally, but professionally I'm pretty sure I will do. And as long as we're driving towards the same outcome, we can definitely, you know, work as a team and we can work well together. It's, it's why it's an interesting one, but it's why I hate seeing like hobbies on a CV. Because, you know, when it comes to hiring and things like that, you look at the CV and you go, oh, this person plays football, I play football, we could be friends. So actually, I don't really care what you do in your spare time because that's not really relevant to what I want you to do here. Like, it, it's great mm -hmm. if I want a friend, but if I want a colleague, 
I maybe don't want someone that plays the same sports as me and likes the same music and, you know, thinks the same way. I want somebody that's got a completely divergent approach to me but has the same values. And so for me, culture is all about values rather than experience and commonalities. And that's, that's I think, why we're successful as, a, as, a, as an organization is because that culture isn't about, you know, we've got this culture and these are things we do. It's more like we have this culture and this is how we feel about things. And so long as you feel the same sort of way we do, and that's, you know, about putting hard work in, about, about you know, embracing and encouraging teamwork and about understanding your role within the business and, and what, what we can do for you as well as what you can do for us. Those are, those are the elements of culture that I think are crucial towards building an innovation-focused business because you're saying, I don't care what your experience is, I care what your values are. And that's where we talk about, you know, attitude, aspiration, outcome and stuff. Yeah, and there's a couple of important things to take from that. And I think what you said there is um, about the business reaching out and basically saying what we can do for you as well as what you can do for us. And I think in the sort of challenging recruitment environment we're seeing right now, certainly post-pandemic in a lot of sectors, there are a lot of you know candidates out there who are concerned about what the employer can do for them and their demands are changing on that side of things for certain. So leadership does, first and foremost, have to be very, very aware of that, doesn't it? 100%. 100%. Like, there's... there's it's a two-way street, isn't it? A, a, an employee and an employer isn't just a contract, it's a relationship and there's a give and take in relationship. And the job market at the moment is fairly buoyant in a lot of areas. So there's, a, there's an urge there to almost push back and go, it's all about me, I'm unique, I'm rare, and I therefore get to get my demands across. But that only takes you so far before you're kind of like, you know, we can talk about high pay and we can talk about benefits and we can talk about all this sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, there's a function to fulfill. And if you're exceptional, like you can fulfill that function in multiple places and you can kind of, you know, take your talent on the street, as it were. I think the key is if you understand the two-way relationship, it builds both ways. You'll get opportunities to do things that you wouldn't get to do somewhere else if you're hamstrung by being, right, you're our high performer, you're the highest paid person, therefore you must only do your role because that's what you're paid for. We cannot afford for you to do something else. So there's an element there of going like, well, what decisions are you making? How does this become a, a relationship mm. and not a contract? And that's, I think that's really important in the job market right now because I think a lot of, certainly a lot of the younger workforce are interested in not building a career in one place but building their experience and building their knowledge. And you shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't be looking down on people who only want to work in a particular sector for a couple of years and get really, really good. Like that's okay because, I mean, I, I don't feel like there's that many jobs for life anymore. So we can't afford to be like, you know, we're hiring you and we're investing in you and I expect you to stay here for 10 years. I think that's fairly unrealistic now. We're lucky because we've got loads of people that have been here 5, 10, 15 years. But I'm aware that's, that's unusual in a, in a fast-moving tech business. So what we have to do is say, well, how do we get the most out of this relationship so everyone is always fulfilled in this role? And that's, you know, and I think that's primarily through, like you said, opportunities through training, through development, through access to leadership, and through you know, leaving that business after two and a half years saying, I did a really good shift there and I really enjoyed it, but now I've got other skills and other opportunities that I want to explore somewhere else and, that, and, and being understanding that that's okay. And that's why I think it's interesting about the job market right now is that we've got these people who maybe have sat tight over COVID and gone, well, we just need to stay here for now. The job market expands and we're seeing a lot of people move mm. in quite big, big droves. And I'm not entirely sure it's the best decision for a lot of people. I think they're moving for fringe benefits and they're not moving for like probably their long-term development. I think they're going to end up getting stimmied and pigeonholed by making those demands too explicit. And that, that's a shame because I think what we're going to have is a lot of talent feeling very unfulfilled in 18 months' time. 
Exactly right. It's going to need continuous development, isn't it? Because the nature of work is changing for certain. So that is very important when you're looking at opportunities that are out there. Look at obviously what it can do for your development. And it seems at TechBuyer that happens um, sort of to be um, a huge priority point. And uh, just going back to um, another point, Rich, that you touched on as well just a little bit earlier on. um, You talked about sort of diverging ideas. And it's like this is where sort of, you know, diversity does sort of is being championed at the moment, isn't it, in so many businesses. Because and that's not just obviously diversity of background, but that is also sort of diversity of experience diversity of skills and also diversity of ideas most importantly isn't it it is those diverse teams where there is a multitude of ideas and a multitude of skills coming together that tend to thrive more than others isn't it yeah that that's 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 exactly right it's that diversity is crucial like i said it's it's about as you said it's about diversity of experience from their personal experience and also their work experience also that that variation of thought is crucial because if we all think the same, then we all approach problems in the same way. And the only way we can really make transformational change is if we all think a bit differently. And then we apply those different start points, different endpoints, different thoughts, different cultures. If we apply them to a problem, we end up with a much better net result. Exactly right. And um, obviously, I suppose that's where, you know, the incremental innovation can tie into the transformative, isn't it? They are two fundamentally different things, but the little steps, the little changes, they can all sort of snowball, snowball, snowball into, you know, those major changes. It's getting an idea, developing it, developing it, getting access to the right people, really taking that forward to make the change. Yeah. Yeah. That, I, I find it interesting when we, when we talk about innovation, that it's, it's so often thought about as this sort of like big you know, this big piece of work that, that completely changes direction. Whereas, mm. you know, I do think the incremental piece is, is vital as well because that's generally where a lot of your really talented people cut their teeth. It's about taking a new idea that isn't going to be completely high risk for the business. That isn't, you know, it's not like a massive digital transformation project or it's not a, a huge like, operational change. We're talking about small new ways of doing things that have a really good net benefit and they might not make you millions of pounds, but they might make things just a little bit better but you can build on those, you know, you build on that and you build on that experience, you build on that knowledge and you build on that, that, that first success. And then that, that gives you the confidence to try, you know, bigger, harder and potentially more risky things with, with a much higher chance of success. And it, and it all starts with the incremental ones. You know, you've got to, you've got to cut your teeth somewhere. And um, it, it's hard sometimes to get that allowance. It's hard for someone to sit down and go, okay, you want to try something completely new you know there's a high chance of failure here it's like yeah but what are we learning in the failure like what 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 what's the benefit of getting it wrong as well and that's that's something you've got to have a look at you have to look at where sometimes it's okay to fail as long as you gain the experience Mm, exactly right and i think that that again sort of comes back to leadership isn't it i mean it's like where there are sort of failures and setbacks if we call it failures it's about kind of not sort of abandoning the whole idea entirely it's about kind of learning from that experience because the L word is so important um, in sort of development in the world of work today, isn't it? I mean, it's it's that win or learn mentality that you've got to kind of take on rather than sort of think of it as a failing or a setback that's terminal and is going to end the entire cycle. Yeah, yeah, I, I always hear that win or learn. And I think sometimes it's like, you know, I get, I get smart if I fail. And it's like, well, yeah, but if you always fail, like how smart are you going to get? You know, sometimes mm. you've got to win. And sometimes those incre- incremental ones, it's important that you win because success tends to breed success you know those those mm. little wins add up over time as a business that grows at the sort of rate we grow at is a lot of it down to good decision making and good repeated decision making and i do think you know if you're not you're not generally you're not failing you're learning but unfortunately if you if you're not applying those learnings to the next one and you're repeating mistakes then you are failing 
like you know you've got to you've got to mm. you've got to be very honest about innovation and say whenever you whenever you applied the same you know techniques the same methodology the same approach to a failed project if you've if you've approached it the same way five times and it's failed five times there is a piece where you've got to sit and think are ah, you learning or are you just trying to use the same thing and hoping it finds the right tool i mean my favorite my favorite sort of phrase i say all the time in businesses when all you've got for hammer everything's an, like you know everything's a nail so like if all yeah. you've only got one tool in your toolbox you're just going to approach stuff in the same way which is smack it as hard as you can whereas maybe it's not a nail maybe it's a screw maybe it's a tack maybe you know you can push it in with your thumb maybe it's about precision in this case not about power and i think that's what that those little micro innovations lead to is a larger toolbox so long as you're willing to accept the fact that your way of doing it isn't always the best way Mm, yeah exactly right and i think that's where that multitude of ideas again can feed into things because say something isn't working obviously you have the people beside you whether you're a leader or whether you're on any role with or on any level within the organization rather to basically say well let's go and approach this in a different way yeah 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 and it's hard isn't it because you have to be brave you know because if i if I, you know I'm, I'm i'm the research director at tech buyer so people are sitting there well you do research a lot like you know you, you publish papers all over the place you know what you're doing that can be, I can be a hard person to challenge if I'm not careful. Because if I sit in a meeting and say, this is how I think we should do it, if I set that anchor point of this is how I think we should do it, chances are people who are maybe either not feeling supported or who don't, aren't, you know, aren't familiar with this sort of like, you know, open approach will sit there and go, well, surely, surely that person knows best. So let's just do that. Whereas I would much rather someone said, not sure on that, man. Like, I'm really not comfortable with that approach. Have we thought about this, that, and the other? That's, that is the crucial part of culture is feeling supported enough and safe enough to say, I'm, I'm not sure, mate. Like, I, know, I know you're good at this, but have you thought about X? And then being able to communicate whether I have or haven't and admit the fact that if I haven't, go, great, let's, let's, let's put that in the mix and let's see if we can do that and let's see if that might work as well and not be too sort of too overconfident that just because it's always worked means it will always work. And that's, that is the culture thing in a nutshell is feeling safe enough, secure enough and empowered enough to, to say mm, not sure even to the you know to the ceo or to a senior director that's a hard culture to get right because you don't want a culture that challenges every decision mm. but you do need a culture that feels safe enough to challenge if they think there's a better way yeah, so it's it's a, it, that, yeah. that's a tricky line to play i think sometimes it is isn't it it's that delicate balance between not having everything challenged because there is you know i suppose there is kind of some authority that has to be asserted sometimes but yeah it's the comfort to challenge and be challenged you know where it's appropriate to do so um that's sort of the fine line there isn't it i guess that's that's it and it's understanding at what point if you're challenged all the time have we got a culture then that actually has low trust you know if you're challenging every decision mate that's been made how are we actually, you know, we say, oh, you know, we really encourage people to challenge, but how often are you being challenged on things that really don't require much input? Like, you know, at the point where we're, you know, confirming and we're communicating stuff, there's times where you think, like, look, this isn't really an open discussion. This is the path we've chosen. We've done our research. We've done the bits we're going to do. This is what we are doing. Sometimes you're kind of like, well, I don't want every single decision challenging because otherwise all we end up with is a lot of people talking about things and not a lot of getting done. Mm. So it is, it's so tricky to find that balance with, with sort of innovation-based frameworks and with businesses like this when you're moving so fast is that you have to foster trust and, you know, security and safety. But at the same time, you know, you have to know when to just put your head down and give something a try. Yeah. That's, that's really hard. 
Yeah, it is, isn't it? Just sort of kind of judging the two situations. And um, obviously, yeah. t- you talk about the importance of trust there. And I suppose that's um, absolutely imperative in making, you know, the collective work, as we've discussed already. So when it comes to sort of the trust framework at Tech Buyer, I mean, it's like, how do you go about kind of like really embedding that in the cultural side of things as well? Yeah, that that's, that's probably one of the trickiest things is building trust because you have to do it through honesty. You have to do it through um, through transparency. For me, I'm not saying this has to be for everybody, but for me, it's like I like to make everything about what we do transparent so that no one feels anything's been hidden or been protected or been covered up. Like you have to have that, that transparency and you have to have that visibility so that people feel that, you know, you, they are trusted to see what's going on under the hood. You know, there's elements that have to be obscured and that could be elements around HR. It can be elements around, you know, people's health and well-being and stuff. There's elements that need to be just personal. But there's other elements that just need to be out in the open and that need to be clear and that need to be communicated. And, it, you know, it's a, once again, it's a balance between communication and over-communication, between trust and challenge. And setting that tone is something that evolves constantly in the business. And it starts at the very top. So for me, it starts with Kev. You know, I know I can always have an honest conversation with Kevin Towers. Mm. Like, I know I can ring him on a Saturday if I really need to and say, look, I'm really not happy about, you know, something that's going on in the business. And it might not be in my area and it might not be what you, you know, what would be considered my remit. But I think this is a challenge. And to have your, you know, to have your CEO have that conversation with you and go, tell me about it, explain to me, let me know, you know, why is it a problem? What's, what's the issue? And then feel comfortable enough to say, look, are you happy to go with that person and discuss it? Rather than, you know, it's not a matter of like behind people's backs. It has to be like, you know, if you want to challenge something, that's cool. But you're going to need to go challenge them yourself. You're going to need to, you know, put your big boy pants on and have a difficult conversation sometimes. And I think that's where that comes from sometimes is the the, the willingness to sort of back yourself and to back your 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 ideas and, you know, everything you're thinking. But you have to also be able to have challenging conversations and sometimes have them openly. Mm. Um, because that's the only way to foster trust, isn't it? If, if you know, if the cards are on the table and no one's cheating, uh, and that's that's important. And that's that starts at the very, very, very top that you feel that you know the, the senior leadership in the business has your best interests at heart and is very clear in how they're communicating both your interests, their interests, and the business interests together as a collective. Mm. And that's how you, that for me, that's how you build trust with that transparency and that honesty. And I suppose as well, kind of handing the baton over to somebody there to you know go up to a senior leader and you know challenge a particular idea. I suppose that is sort of investing in their development even more, isn't it, by giving them that platform to do that because they're going to gain so much from that experience of, you know, going and backing themselves, going and sharing this idea and going explaining why they might not agree with a particular idea or a particular thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, be willing to be challenged yourself. A lot of people, and we see this at all, I see this an awful lot, is that people would rather just disappear than have a challenging conversation sometimes. You know, they'd rather just not say something than run the risk of maybe having to say they don't think someone's idea is a good one. And that, that I think, can be a, a slow way to kill a business. If we sit and go, look, it'd be so much easier if I just didn't challenge this and I just sat on my hands for this one. You know, but then down the line, are you really pulling for that to succeed if you didn't believe it in the first place? And it's very difficult for them. You know, I will not accept an I told you so mentality. I will not accept that. Like, there's no point in saying, I knew that was a bad idea. And you didn't say anything. No, okay, well, that kind of makes you a coward. Because if you're willing to see something fail rather than have a difficult conversation with somebody, then that's quite weak in my eyes. So, we, But we need to make sure that people feel comfortable to have that challenge. And that's that's the cultural piece, and that's difficult. Because it's all good and well saying that, but if it's, a, you know, if it's a business where if you challenge, you get fired, then that's a very difficult, you know, it's a 
very difficult horse to uh, to hang your hat on, I guess. I suppose it's you know it's, it's difficult to say, you know, you you must be honest, but if you're honest, you get fired. It's like, well, that's that's not really incentivizing honesty, is it? That's not encouraging truthfulness and transparency. If everyone's terrified of saying the wrong thing, um, mm. and so that that's crucial. That's that's crucial. Exactly, and that's something that leadership's got to get right, isn't it? That environment of yeah. be honest and be challenging, and obviously people don't have to worry about their necks being on the line for it, but it just goes to show, doesn't it, how, how we've spoken about this, that the challenge element, it's so key for innovation, isn't it? Because sometimes it's the challenge that kind of gets you back on the right track with a particular idea or with the entire course the business is going on. Yeah, I mean, innovation is about changing the norm, right? So mm. that it's, it's a constant challenge mechanism. Why are we doing this? Can we do it better? What's wrong with it? It doesn't matter if it's good. Could it be great? How hard would it be great? Is it worth the investment in making it from good to great? Or is it really not worth it? You know, is incremental improvement good enough and transformational here? Do we need to be a little bit better? Or do we need to completely tear this down and start again? The whole piece of innovation is about not accepting the status quo and trying to do something better. And that, that is, that's the heart of innovation, is, is not accepting you know, what, what we hear, what we know, and what we see. That's, that's, the, that's the underpinning of innovation is that, that creative mindset that says this works, but is it the best? And then, you know, if someone says, yeah, it's the best we can do and this is in our business and all the rest of it, and then go, okay, that's fine, but could we be better somewhere else? Or is this the right, is this the right way to apply it to the business? It might be the right tool, but is it in the right area? Is it been used by the right people? Have they been adequately trained? All these things come into this innovation mindset. You don't just look at something and go, that is a thing and that's how it works. You, you, you know, true, true innovation involves, okay, I see this thing and I want to seek to understand it. So I want to tear it to pieces. I want to look at it in different directions. I want to, you know, I want to stand up and look at it from the top. I want to go underground and look at it from the bottom. I want to, I want to get a, a handle on what this is rather than just accept it for, for how I'm being presented it. And that's, that's a really hard mindset to foster in people. Um, mm. And it takes, and it takes everything we talked about. It takes and a willingness to challenge an ability to trust and a, uh, you know, it takes a lot of senior direction to create that environment. And that's, you know, that's the hard bit for me. That's what I think is the hardest thing. Yeah, it is a challenge, isn't it? And plenty of food for thought for anybody tuning in who, you know, may have their own business. And uh, like I say, just a reminder to viewers as well listening into this. I mean, if you are a business owner or the head of an organization yourself who, you know, would like to talk to us about your views on innovation or even uh, any issue relating to your business, of course, um, you can very much do that by applying to be on the program via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply of course just something there to uh, think about um rich um i have to say um it's been fantastic having you on the uh, the program uh, today i mean amazing to talk about sort of the depth of innovation that's there the different types of innovation going on within tech buyer and what sort of a positive culture can do for driving progress forward and you know given the well, fast time, i really appreciate it it's been, it's been good to talk to you yeah, it's been fantastic, Rich. And just lastly, uh, before we uh, we finish up, um, given the fast-changing nature of the tech industry, I suppose over the uh, the next 12 months, there are a lot of innovations behind the scenes planned at Tech Buyer. And obviously, I'm not going to ask you for too much detail because I appreciate that this can be quite sensitive, but I can imagine there's plenty on the horizon for yourselves to be uh, to be working on in terms of, you know, progress and challenging the norms. 100%, yeah. Like the, the, number of, the number of projects we've got ongoing right now is probably quite staggering for most organizations of our size, but it's, it's those constant challenges that, and those constant innovations that help us grow, you know, 13, 50% year on year and have them for the last 17 years. You know, so there is, yeah, there's huge projects in place, whether it's work we're doing with Interact and the sort of business we're doing around mm. producing significant reductions in carbon and, and costs and, and energy for customers, whether it's 
like I said, the circular packaging solutions we're putting in place at the moment and helping do proof of concept for that we can then feed back into the industry, whether it's the, the research team creating you know, peer-reviewed articles around the impact of hardware and the impact of circular economy. There's, there's stuff going on in the business all the time that's, that's truly incredible. And, you know, we only, as a business, sometimes only see a snapshot of each of them. Um, so that communication piece in the business and communicating to the, the community outside of, of TechBuyer is, is quite important. But it's one of the hardest things because, you know, you don't want to be bragging about what you're doing, but there's some stuff going on that's really, like, world-changing. Yeah, it absolutely is. And um, I'm looking forward to kind of seeing uh, what comes out of TechBuyer over the course of the uh, the next 12 months. I'm sure all here at the Leaders Council share that sentiment, Rich. Um, once again, okay. thank you ever so much for taking the time to join us on the uh, the programme. And I think it'd be great to perhaps um, catch up at some point in the next year just to see sort of how all of those projects might be coming along. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks for having us. It's been fantastic. And as I say, um, to everybody tuning into the programme today, I do hope that you thoroughly enjoyed the interview between myself, your host, Scott Challoner today, and Rich Kenny from Tech Buyer. And just again, just to remind everybody, um, you can, of course, apply to be on the show yourself, and that would be via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply if you'd like to talk about anything that we've raised on this programme or even anything relating to your own business. Until next time, you've been listening to the Leaders Council podcast with Scott Challoner, your host today. Please take care and goodbye.